Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. I'm Stacy, And I'm David. We grew up together in Beverly Hills in the 1980s. Forget what you've seen in the movies or TV shows. We have the real stories about real people growing up in Beverly Hills. Here's a little known fact for you. There aren't any talking chihuahuas. <laughs> Beverly Hills folk drop a lot of names of people and places. We just can't help it. Don't worry, we'll explain it all at the end of the interview in the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Enjoy, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Hi, Stacy. Hey, David. And I wanted to say hi to our listeners. We have so many new listeners, and I really wanted to thank you guys for listening. I know, that's so exciting. We love you guys, and it's been so fun interacting on social media with you. And thank you all for listening. Along with our new listeners, we have a new sponsor, Vibrato Grill Jazz. We sure do. I'm so excited. I absolutely love Vibrato. And it's owned by our wonderful friend, Eden Alpert. You and I just had an amazing dinner there. We sure did. They have the best food and the best live music. And you can dine there very comfortably outside, even during COVID. Yeah, and things are opening up again. So I think you could probably dine inside now and it'll just keep growing as COVID restrictions lessen. Exactly. Every day it's getting better and better. I think they know a thing or two about great music. It was started by the great Herb Alpert for artists to play. Yeah, they always have great music and they also have great food. I had this amazing sea bass with a crispy skin on top of a bed of risotto. It was really good. Oh, mine was amazing too. I had the lobster roll and I was so excited. I loved it. And they also have a great cocktail selection, beer and wine, and awesome fun cocktails. My Aperol Spritz was divine. Yeah, you had a fancy cocktail. I sure did. It's located in Bel Air at the Glen Center just off of Beverly Glen. And during COVID, they're open Wednesday through Sunday, starting at 6 p.m. till 11. And if you want live music with your dinner, come on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and they're just adding a Sunday brunch. I'm so excited about that. With live music. Book your reservation at resi.com or at their website, vibratogrilljazz.com. You never know who you'll see eating there or performing. If you grew up in Beverly Hills, or if you didn't, you'll have a great time. Say hi to our friend and our guest from Episode 9, Eden Alpert, and tell her, Growing up Beverly Hills sent you! In this episode, we have a really fun and amazing guest for everyone to enjoy, Mindy Cohn. Oh, we were so excited to have Mindy Cohn on. You guys might remember her from Facts of Life. I just love her. She's so warm and genuine. It was so much fun talking to Mindy. She was so open and honest, and the conversation just flowed. It felt like we were friends forever. Her acting story is so unique. She never even auditioned for Facts of Life. You'll hear her story of how she was discovered. Then she went on to do the show for 10 years. What an accomplishment. She's constantly been acting since in front of the camera, on stage, or as a voiceover actor. And you guys might know her also from Velma and Scooby-Doo. Yeah, she took over the voice of Velma and Scooby-Doo. How cool is that? Isn't that the greatest? We had two generations of Velma, and the second generation is someone that we know. She also has one of our very favorite podcasts, Mondays with Mindy. It is so fun, and she also started her show during COVID, and it's been a lot of fun listening to her show, and we actually got a few tips about ours. Listen to Mindy on her podcast, but now's your chance to get to know her here on Growing Up Beverly Hills. 
Let's listen. Well, Mindy Cohn, welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. We are thrilled and beyond excited to have you today. Well, I'm so glad to see your faces again. It's been a couple decades, so shall we say? Yeah. I mean, I think Stacy and I both remember going to your apartment, and you must have been 17 yeah. when you got that place, right near Roxbury Park, which was our old stomping grounds. Yes, exactly. Because you were the first 17-year-old that we knew that had her own apartment on her own in Beverly Hills. <laughs> I know. Can we just let our listeners know that I had graduated Westlake School for Girls, and I was working full-time, so it's not like my parents, you know, weren't around, but... My dad thought before I buy a house, go see if you like living on your own first. And these apartments had just gone up. And I know David remembers that really like funky, you know. Yeah, it was totally cool. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. We had nothing like that in Beverly Hills at the time. It, that building really stood out. Yeah. By the way, it's still there. Oh. Yes. Nice. It is. You're a first for us in a lot of ways on our podcast. You're our first Actor, actress. I don't. Some people don't like the term actress. Are you okay with actress? Yeah, I call myself an actor, but I I also have a vagina, so I'm excellent <laughs> at being an actress as well. Good, good to know. Yeah. And you're also our first guest who didn't go to Beverly High. Did not go to Beverly High, but I had I have so many memories because two of my groups of friends went to Beverly, and so it's one of those things that if you live there and you grow up there, you meet each other. And there's the private school people and the Beverly Hills people. And we commingle. Just can't help it. It's a small town. It is a small town. So your childhood before age 13, what was that like before you started acting? Well, I mean, amazing. And only because it's, it's my mom and dad. So we lived in what we call Beverly Hills adjacent now, but it's really kind of around like Carthay Circle, La Cienega Park area right on the tush, right on the border of Beverly Hills. But that was the first house, you know, we grew up in. And my mom was a real estate lawyer. She developed her claim to fame was she developed all the condo conversions on the Wilshire Corridor. Oh, wow. It was apartments and kind of seedy hotels. And that was my mother. So the 80s were very good to the cones, as we like to say. Also, my dad went from one store to about 2000 stores. He had a company I always classify uh, or I describe myself in the press as we were kind of the Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) We all kind of peaked in the 80s financially and just, you know, (laughs) no matter how many times we were solicited, though, we didn't join Hillcrest Um, and (laughs) club kind of people. Us either. Okay. Our audience probably doesn't know it, but uh, this stretch of Wilshire Boulevard became all condominiums. So it sounds like your mom had a lot to do with that. She did. It was a really exciting time. Yeah. That's really cool. What an exciting yeah. thing. And what was your dad's business? My dad's business was a paint company, Standard Brands Paint Company. So you guys will remember it because we grew up here, right? But they're yeah. it's now defunct. But yeah, that was my dad. That's so cool. Yeah. it's My parents are pretty impressive people, like singularly and also as an adorable couple. So we love them. And we also, they make us a little nauseous. Yes. That's, that's kind of the American dream, truly. Isn't that wonderful? Are your parents from LA too? Well, my dad, believe it or not, my his parents are Angelinos. So we wow. have a very deep history in Los Angeles. My dad grew up in West Hollywood, had a little house on one of the streets that now he can't get over that his house is now, you know, like millions. million dollars. Yeah. And my mom is uh, Chicago and New York. Oh, great. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, made myself uh, very available to uh, the stores on Rodeo Drive at the time, Lina Lee, Camp Beverly Hills. I got my prom dress at Ted Lapidus. So I think I have earned my growing up BH chit. You're yeah, in. You deserve you it. You are in. That's why <laughs> we sure. have you on our show today, because you are right there with us growing mm-hmm. up in Beverly Hills. You went to the Westlake School, and that was all girls school. Yes, it was all girls at the time. It's now known as Westlake Harvard. But at the, in the day, it was Westlake School for Girls. And um, as I was taking summer school in eighth grade, about to go into ninth, uh, Norman Lear and his associate, Alan Horn and Charlotte Ray, came up to Westlake to try and authenticate scripts for a new show they were doing that was a spinoff of Different Strokes. It was about an all-girls school, even though it took place back east. They wanted to talk to a couple girls and just make sure they were on the right track of what it's like to go to an all-girls school. And two weeks later, uh, my headmaster called me into the office and said, these people want to write a part for you in your show. Are you interested? (laughs) (laughs) My mom's in court. I think we have to wait. I'm not sure. Well, were you interested? Um, To act? No. Uh, I'm I'm eighth going into ninth grade. I think I'm going to become a doctor. We all think we're going to be something that we totally don't become in eighth grade. I, you know, talked to my parents and we went in and and met everybody uh, at the studio. And at that time they shot, they didn't shoot a pilot. They did four episodes. It was over that summer, the rest of the summer, that month of August. You know, I had just been bat mitzvahed. So like, what do I know? And, you know, a four week gig turned into a 10 year gig. Unreal. Yeah. And my life. This that story of getting discovered is like everybody's dream who comes to Hollywood, but I don't think it ever happened except for you and Lana Turner. <laughs> it's a very good story. I mean, the fact that it's true is kind of astounding. Yeah. <laughs> it's so absolutely. bizarre. Make that shit up, right? So Mindy, you weren't like interested in acting or anything. You just went and met these people that came to visit your school and they like fall in love with you and then you decide how do you fall in love and say, this is it for me? How did a creative like you say, this is it? Well, you know, I just don't think you do at 13, or at least I didn't. Um, I really thought I was on a different path. I was on the tennis team and, you know, thinking I'm going to med school. Right. Really, I didn't fall in love with it until Cloris Leachman came on the show, which was season seven. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and and and, and my parents treated it like the tennis team. It was my extracurricular activity. Our family did not revolve around me and my work. What my sister was doing was just as important. You know, not until Cloris and I start, start, started taking me to theater. And also, I think for me, she introduced me to Geraldine Page and Ruth Gordon. Mm. These women who were 40 years my senior became my coven. I don't know why they included me, but they became my mentors. And when you're told by those kind of dynamic, talented, once in a lifetime people that you're meant to do this, you sort of start to believe it. It's when I started spending enormous amounts of time in New York. Mm -hmm. And really until I got on stage, did I really go, oh, not only is this for me, I'm meant to do this. And I really just fell in love with it and just thought, oh my God, this is it. To the horror of my parents, of course. Well, Norman Lear saw it right away, too. Yeah, and he still does. He still reminds me every time I see him. Yeah. Well, I think it's amazing. So you really got the real bug when you were on stage in New York, like the actual stage stage. I mean, Stace, I think I just believed that I had 
what other people saw in me, I started to finally see for myself. Gotcha. So I started to wear it like a loose garment, like, oh, this feels kind of nice. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what happened. I really had to sort of believe it for myself. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't still be working, you know, for sure. before, right? Like you just sort of then pivot and go on and do something else. But right. it's really like what I'm meant to do. It's what I love to do. A hard life, but it's a good life. Were you at least in a school play before the age of 13 or anything like that? No, actually, after, David, I was in in a production of Godspell, which, you know, for this Jewess was like, you know, quite scandalous. But um, (laughs) (laughs) that were acting thing outside of facts of life. So were you able to go to Westlake as a normal student the whole time? So it's it's one of the things my mother insisted on. And so I didn't do I did studio school for about three weeks. And then my mother said, we're paying all this money for this private education. It was really important to both my parents, but my mother really wanted my sister and I to have a great education, go to college. Yeah. So it was negotiated that I would go to school in the morning and Westlake was amazing. They put all my first, you know, my important periods up, up front, first through fourth. And uh, obviously I was handling my elective in sport. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was the show. Yeah. And they were wonderful uh, for the next four years until I graduated. And the studio was really incredible about adjusting the schedule so that I could go and rehearse. But I do have to say it was a very gnarly four years, which when you met me is why I was kind of hog wild. It's very hard to go to four hours of a college prep school, go to work, come home and have four hours of homework a night. And on the weekends, oh, yeah. right? Like it, it wasn't a curriculum, a public school curriculum. So no, that's a serious school. You didn't goof off like we did at Beverly. Well, I made up <laughs> for it, kiddo. Um, <laughs> I kept deferring college as my graduating class went into college. I kept deferring. Well, the show kept going. My wild years were really 17, 18, and 19 in Beverly Hills. I mean, Max 151, um, voila, when voila opened, when the Beverly Center opened. Yes. Like a game changer for us, right? <laughs> oh, game <laughs> yep. changer. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you're on one of the top TV shows, and every kid in your school is watching it. Did how they treated you change? Not at all, because most of my classmates and most of the school, someone's related to somebody more famous, right? more wealthy, more this. I do have to say Westlake prepared me for almost anything, but especially dealing with either famous people or really wealthy people, because we're all in a uniform. We're all the same. Yeah. Westlake was like living in New York City at a Starbucks, right? You know, at a Starbucks in Beverly Hills, you know who's in line with you. In New York, you're, you know, a Wall Streeter, a doctor, a teacher, a subway station attendant. You know, it's everybody. Every. Um, I think it really prepared me to not get too wowed or wooed by the wealth, the fame, the whatever that is. Mm -hmm. It was more that I'm... I tend to be an introvert. I'm a really good one-on-one, but like a crowd. So when I started getting recognized, it it freaked me out a little. You you sort of feel like Fonzie's jacket under glass. You know? <laughs> like, I know that jacket, you know, and it's like, I'm a person, you know. That part was weird. And I do have to say it's why I fell in with my Beverly Hills high crowd mm-hmm. so quickly because they sort of didn't give two hoots and a holler uh, at all about that stuff, right. as you guys know. Right. 
Yeah, Beverly Hills was a good training ground, and, and that must have been quite incredible at such a young age to be recognized while you're coming into your own, 17, 18, 20, whatever, and you're being recognized, and fame's coming at you fast. Was that hard? Not in your Beverly Hills circle, but just in general being noticed and recognized and people all over you? Well, I, I think I lucked out by, by having my high school experience because I was so busy with work and schoolwork and, and and on the weekends when we would have press junkets. I mean that honestly for four years, it's a bit of a blur. Mm -hmm. My mom equates it. She said it was something when the show ended, I was so exhausted and I was 21. You right. know, and my mom said, dad and I think that you've worked harder than probably both of us put together right. in these 10 years. You know, so I, I know those first four years were just exhausting because I was trying to do well. Mm -hmm. We also didn't know if the show would keep getting picked up. So each season, I thought I'd be going back to school. Right. I have to tell you, the hardest part for me was not going off to college with the rest of my class. It freaked me out. How much after did you end up going to Loyola? Well, I went to Sarah Lawrence first. Sarah Lawrence, so you went away. Were you always in love with New York that at 21 you said, I'm going to New York? Oh, I, I had spent every summer there, every holiday season. My best friend was back there. It's so fascinating because ever since I've been a teenager, people have thought I'm from New York. And I always took that as such a compliment. I did too. I, I, I When I first read that she's born and raised in LA, I'm like, no, she's so New York. <laughs> yeah, and I am. But I also love Los Angeles. I, I always love when people say New York or LA. And I'm like, yes. Both. I mean, what do you mean either or? They're, yeah. they're two different animals. What are you, crazy? 100%. But I, I will tell you this. I will grow old in New York City um, and in New York. Um, I have a farm back there uh, in upstate New York. And, and most of my my social life is and my theatrical life is very different back there. There is a community there that is not here in Los Angeles. Los Angeles tends to be much more... Um, well, I always say people can perpetrate a fraud in LA for a lot longer. For sure. You know, you can drive a Ferrari and live in an apartment in Van Nuys. Yes. You know, nobody knows. But in, in Manhattan, they'll kick you off the island. Oh, they'll find out. They, they sniff you out. Yeah, they sniff you out. <laughs> so there's something about that for me. Just as an actor, I see myself growing old doing eight shows a week. So that, that's my dream. I want to come watch you doing eight shows a week. It's my dream. There's your work ethic. My dream is to uh, do not much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's to go watch Mindy. Yours is to do nothing. <laughs> At least Mindy's going to keep doing. <laughs> Very sweet. We do want to talk some facts of life. So the, the yeah. first year was a rough year. Uh, things didn't go well. You know, we didn't know that, you know, but there was uh, just too many girls and the network wasn't sure. And, you know, Fred Silverman, who was running the network at the time, was on his way out in this new upstart. Brandon Tartikoff was coming in. And Brandon, <laughs> you know, Fred and Brandon both loved our show. And it's truly the reason we stayed on. Because while we did well, we were not a hit. Really, it was our fourth season when all of a sudden it was like, oh. <laughs> and then we sort of came this guilty pleasure that people didn't really, they were a little ashamed that they watched The Facts of Life. You right. know, now it's this kind of like culty, very, it's very darling, you know, oh. how people feel about it. But in the day, you know, it, we were not the cool kids. We'll right. just put it that way. Well, we were all grew up on it. I mean, everybody that I know watched the show. Nobody didn't watch it. Yeah, but no one really talked about it because it was sort of like mm. you're watching a show with all girls. Like, what are you? Uh, well, you know, 
I think that was the that was the feedback we were getting. You know, it wasn't kind of seen as this like must see TV. We weren't friends. I'll put it that way. Right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, the first year they got rid of a lot of the girls. You should have been affirmed then that they kept you and fired a lot of accomplished actresses already by that time. Well, you know, we didn't know. We didn't, the girl, we didn't know until we walked in season two and Lisa Kim and I looked at each other and there was a new girl sitting there. Her name happened to be Nancy McKeon and, uh-huh. you know, Alan Horn came down and Norman came and it was just sort of like, girls, here's what's happening. <laughs> we you to Nancy and we're going to change the whole thing and get it so that you guys are living and Mrs. Garrett is responsible for you. We're going to take you away from the dorm and we're going to put you above the kitchen. And we just thought, that's great. And we looked at each other like, that's <laughs> um, And truly, by the end of shooting that, that season two, episode one, which was the famous where we're paint scene and paint fight. Right. And we move above the cafeteria and have to work off all the damage we just caused. Yes. We knew the four of us just fell madly in love with each other. And it, we, we knew whether this was going to go or not, it was going to be a kick in the pants. We were going to have fun. So the three of you clicked with Nancy right away. I mean, for me, especially Nancy and I were the same age. Lisa was three years older than me and Kim was two years younger than me. And Nancy and I are the same age by a month. Um, she is a month older than me and she holds Love it her. against me still. to this. <laughs> <laughs> but she and I really had an insta bond because uh, just of the age thing. And especially yeah. at that age, at 14, you're just looking for your peeps. Yeah. You know? When you step on the set the first time, what is it? I mean, you had no acting experience. It must have been so overwhelming. Were there people holding your hand and guiding you through it all? One person, Kim Fields. Mm. Kim Fields would grab my hand and say, hey, upstage. Because, you know, I, some, the director would say, okay, Mindy, can you just go upstage? And I think I looked like I'd just gotten hit by a Mack truck. Like, right. what? You know, this pro at 11 took this 13-year-old and said, I got you, kid. And what's so interesting is Natalie and Tootie, our characters, weren't really meant to be this Nat and Toot thing that happened. But I think the writers who were writing Natalie very similar to Mindy at the time, because Natalie wasn't in the script, right. Charlotte Ray's best friend in high school's name was Natalie. That's how I got my name. And Norman Lear asked me my favorite color, and it was green. And he's like, good. Well, is it? I love and it. Natalie Green is born. Yeah. There you go. But I think they saw Kim and I and sort of went, oh, this is, this is good. Yeah, because you guys really did connect so well. You know, it yeah. seemed like all four of you were really good friends. And that's what I was going to say. It seemed like you all were naturally friends. And that was what was most fun for me. And I think of ages watching the show is you guys were exactly our age. Like I saw you on TV. I'm like, she just had her birthday. We're the same age. Look what mm-hmm. they're doing. I mean, it was just so incredible to have people, not 20-year-olds playing 14-year-olds, but yeah. really the exact age of your characters was amazing, I thought. Very relatable for us. We were all so different in our, how we were growing up, our family life. The one thing we all four had in common is incredible uh, close relationships with our families and Mm. that in our families, we were not the boss. So there was no diva. There was no, so, so that level playing ground of that yeah. Um, the other thing that we talk about still to this day when people ask, like, how did not any of you get in trouble? And we very quickly, and this comes from Norman Lear, 
this is what you do, not who you are. And I, it goes for everyone. It's why I'm not really impressed by people, right? by their job description. You know, tell me who you are, not just what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we really learned that at a young age, and it has really served me so well. And all four of us were like that, you know? It's amazing to have teen kids that you never hear about getting in trouble or any of those stories. Yeah. Kudos to you guys. Yeah. And you guys kind of came in on even playing fields. I think that's what makes a difference is no one was the diva out of the four of you. Like no one was the movie star ahead of this one. You know, you're all. No, I do have to say, you know, I just as Mindy was insanely uh, intimidated because all three girls had had tremendous success as, as younger actors. Yeah. And I always did feel behind the curve. And that was in my head. You know, years later, I got many compliments from many different people who who made me feel different. But at the time, uh, probably again, not till I was about 16 or 17, did I sort of feel like, okay, maybe I'm not totally faking it here. You know, maybe I have something. They fired Molly Ringwald and they kept you. You should have known you had something. So, you know, (laughs) they did her a favor because I think she would have killed herself if she stayed on. Exactly. Exactly. You never know where it's meant to be. It was meant to be. Yeah. For sure. We're big fans of TV of that era. So uh, did you have events where you would socialize with the other shows on the network and the other networks where you would meet some of the other actors on those shows? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, back in the day, it's three networks. And then towards season five, Fox came around. So we had those guys that, you know, 21 Jump Street people and married with children people. But um, we were all so tight. So not only the running joke, which is not really a joke, but, you know, anybody who was anybody did one episode of Facts of Life because it ran from 79 to 89, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So that, but also Hollywood was a very small town then and all the press stuff and all the, uh, anything that was the events. Yeah. All the same people. So it was Scott Bayo to Leif Garrett to mm-hmm. kids on the different world to, yeah, it was just everybody. Well, I know you thought of them as normal people, but you must have been impressed with some of them. Oh, totally. Uh, totally. What The funniest Beverly Hills story, though, and, and Mindy Crush story is that my first crush was on Ryan Cassidy. Mm. Oh. Yes. Our, our own Ryan Cassidy. Beverly guy. I wasn't really crushing on Ryan, who was dating a, this girl, Madeline, who went to Beverly at the time. But I had posters of his brother, Sean, up on my walls. So when I met, when I got introduced to Ryan, it was sort of like, Oh my God, you're related to like, seriously, I think, I think I masturbated to your brother. Like, (laughs) you're like, Oh my God, Uh, I found, I I found myself with your brother. Uh, (laughs) And um, what eventually started to happen is we just became friends. And actually when he said, I really want to act, I actually got him a part on Facts of Life. Oh, wow. He was on four episodes. So what was a crazy, exciting thing that you got to do that you really appreciated about being on the show or just living in around Beverly Hills and West L.A.? Well, two separate things. I learned how to jet set at a very young age. You know, back in the day, they spared no expense. And Mm -hmm. we would go on these press junkets and it was just like, wow, 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 wow. Also, we were one of those first shows that got to do TV movies. So we did one in Paris and one in Australia. Oh, nice. Wow. How fun was that? Um, I think growing up Beverly Hills, I have to say, you know, you can't by the looks of me, but most of my friends are in the fashion industry in New York. 
And it was such a great time to grow up in Beverly Hills if you were remotely into fashion. Yeah. Uh, there were stores like Lina Lee. And I remember when the Neiman Marcus came in, it was yeah. like, and my Granny Rose, so this is my claim to fame, is that my Granny Rose was head of the fur department at Saks Fifth Avenue in Chicago and then moved to Beverly Hills. Oh. And so as a young girl, I met Elizabeth Taylor and Mitzi Gaynor. By the way, so this oh. is the coolest thing ever. Mitzi Gaynor finds me on Instagram and says, how's Rose? And I said, she passed away at 99, but I love that you remember. That's my granny. And she goes, I remember meeting you in the dressing room. Oh, my um, God. My mom would be going to court or having meetings. And so she would drop me off after school. And I would sit in the dressing room in the fur department. And <laughs> granny knew all the movie stars and they knew Rose. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Snap Avenue has always had a very, very close place in my heart. Um, the shopping, the eating, I mean, whether it be Ed DeBevix, which kind of came in a little later for us. Yeah. But, you know, I remember, too, when Fiorucci uh, oh. came on to Wilshire, I almost lost my pants. Me, too. That's uh, a New York store. And to finally have it in Beverly Hills was so amazing. Well, I think that was a pretty mind-blowing store for Beverly Hills and changed all our worlds. Fiorucci changed True. our world. Heaven changed our world. And Heaven, Yelena Lane Jewelry. Oh, Yelena Lane Jewelry in Beverly Center, remember? Yes, and there was also an out, uh, one of the stores in the Rodeo Collection. Yes. And there were stores. Yes. So, yes, you can tell what I did every day after work on my way home is I would stop and shop. Oh, you're a good little shopper, Mindy. I love it. I was a major shopper. I That's love it. I love it. Yeah. It was also a different life because you didn't have a, sh the other girls probably had a showbiz parent, you know, who kind of took them to auditions and did all that, but you never had that, right? No. In fact, um, one of the things that now at 54, I'm still, I'm making them pay. <laughs> um, you know, my parents never came to a taping. Never? My, my parents could not be bothered. No, it doesn't mean they weren't proud of me. No, of course. They, yeah. This thing was sort of like a train that kind of kept going. Mm -hmm. Do you think they were waiting for the train to reach the depot? <laughs> yeah, and it never did. It kept going. <laughs> right? And then I got a play on off-Broadway with, you know, Stalker Channing and Peter Riegert and Robert Klein. And they were just like, God, this may be something. Oh. And then I got my first movie. And right. I, I think they were just very slow to the program that this was actually happening to their kid, you know? Well, we've talked about it on our show and we're the same age. And I think all of our parents were also very busy with their careers and they didn't have the same kind of parenting ideas that, oh, I got to hover over my kid. Yes. And, but, you know, I have to say my parents were very old school in that my dad traveled extensively for work, mm -hmm. but my mom, we were home every night. We had car trips on the weekends to go visit my dad's stores. We spent a lot of time together. And unlike a lot of my Beverly Hills high friends who didn't see their parents because they were off at the country club or had cocktail hours social. My parents weren't really social people. Yeah. Um, they were social with each other, but they didn't have this group of friends that they entertained or that they went out with. They wanted to be with my sister and I. And so every weekend was spent together. Uh -huh. um, that didn't really end until I moved out. Wow. Well, I just spent the weekend with my mom. <laughs> My mom's fully vaccinated now. So, so my parents are now fully vaccinated. So I talk to my parents every day. I usually see them every other week. Have not seen them in over a year. Oh, so this I know. has been, yeah, it's just now I have them. I have them, so I'm grateful. Yeah. But um, I cannot wait. I, I know. 
No, I don't think I've ever been more excited to see my mother. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to Facts of Life, I wanted to play a little game because you said okay. there were a lot of people who revolve through the show. And so yeah. I'll just throw out some names and you can say as little or as much as you want about them. Okay. And these are some of the, the famous people that we really don't associate with the show. Okay. <laughs> so yes. I'll, I'll start with Molly Ringwald. Yeah, she had just come off Broadway doing Annie. She was, I think, the most talented out of all of us, but hadn't grown into herself yet. Mm. And was still very much a theater kid and not a TV kid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cut to four years later, and she's starring in these amazing John Hughes movies. Um, I was never worried about her. I'll put it that way. And then somebody that we went to high school with that we knew a bit was uh, Pam Siegel, who is now even more famous, Pam Siegel Adlon. Yeah, I still see her. You know, she hasn't changed. She's exactly the same. We've seen each other our whole lives through when she, you know, did the show. And then one of her closest friends, Tara Carcian, is still one of my best friends in the world. And so I've known Tara since I was 15, uh, who went to Beverly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I mean, I just saw Pam, like, bef right before the pandemic hit. It's so nuts. Yeah. We loved her. I remember being in school with her when all of a sudden she was going to do Grease 2, her first movie, and left school to go do Grease 2. We're like, oh my God, she's doing Grease 2. Yeah. Meant to be. Like, oh, so so meant to be, right? Yeah. yeah. She's the best. So talented. Very talented. Uh, here's another Beverly guy, an unusual one that you would never think of Facts of Life, Crispin Glover. Yes, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> he then went on to do Back to the Future with Michael, who Nancy McKeon was dating at the time. So we were all mishpuffed, as we say. Yeah. <laughs> I think he still is one of the weirdest, coolest, most eccentric, fascinating guys in the world. And also a little facts of life nugget. His dad just starred on an episode first. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't well, know that. He did. Yeah. I remember Crispin from high school, and he was a very unusual guy. He dressed unusually. He did unusual things. And Guess what? His dad is just as unusual. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he went around exclusively with Nicolas Cage. The two of them were best friends, and they did everything together. Yeah. Quite yeah. interesting. All right. Here's another one. Seth Green. Seth Green. Apparently, Seth Green was obsessed with my boobs and had a big crush on me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my my connection with Seth Green. Hilarious, talented, adorable, like just a good human being. Again, very similar to Ryan, just like a good egg, you know, uh -huh. um, and brilliantly talented. Yes. I remember him just being funny then. I think he was all of like 14 when he did an episode of Facts Life. I think I was already like 18 or 19. Wow. Yeah. And Paul Feig. My darling Paul Feig, just the genius that is Paul Feig. Paul Feig did an episode of Facts of Life. So one of the things I was known for that, again, girls, the girls gave me shit for, but I don't, I, I just, I grew up right. You yeah. know, I mean, my parents, you know, I wrote thank you notes. And when someone would come in as a guest star, I would walk up to them and say, hi, I'm Mindy. I'm on the show as a regular. And here's where we go to lunch. And if you don't have anyone to go to lunch with, please come with me. Oh, that's so nice. nice. So apparently I did that to Paul, to Zsa Zsa Gabor, to, you know, like, <laughs> Hunt, who I'm still very good friends with. Like, so whoever came on, I would, because I know what it felt like yeah. to be the new girl, so to speak. Yeah. And so I, I still am like that on a set that is, I'm not going to say mine, but um, I remember I did this film a couple years ago with uh, Lucy Hale and a couple other people. And I, 
introduced myself to the crew and went back to the makeup trailer. And Lucy, Lucy said, you're so nice. And I said, you know how awkward everyone is right now? I mean, they just yeah. want to be seen. Hi, I'm Mindy. Yeah. You are? The first day on set must be like the first day of school happening each time. Yeah. And honestly, it's everyone always says how kind I am. That's so sweet. And I am. But uh-huh. really, it is to make myself comfortable. Right. Yeah, I imagine that helps you too. If I know everybody's got my back and a lot, a little goes a long way on a set, uh-huh. I just always think, you know, as actors, we have two things that we have going for us, our talent and our reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times, a lot of actors do not take the time to get a good reputation. They, they forget uh, that, listen, if it's a choice between you and another actor and some producer says, you know, she's a joy to have on the set. Right. You might get that job over that other person. That makes sense. Yeah. Totally agree. Okay. We, we can't uh, stop this without asking about George Clooney. Yes. Gee, how original. <laughs> <laughs> we got to know. Yeah. Yeah. So George, we were, we were all together for three years. Uh, he had just gotten off of a horrible show and onto ours. And our casting director and our directors and our producers and our writers loved him, but didn't know what to do with him. And so I think by year three, he was ready to just go do something else, but loved, you know, my favorite George Clooney story is that one lunch break, we, I think it was him, Nancy and I, he drove us and we we went to lunch and he said, guys, do you mind coming to my apartment with me for two seconds? And we're like, fine. It was very close to the studio. And he said, I've been dying to do this. And he knocked on a door, which happened to be his landlord. And he gave him a check and it was a year's rent. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. That's nice. That's was the great. He was so thrilled. And this facts of life for him was really his first financial security as an actor. That's incredible. He's never forgotten that. And I kind of love that about him, you know? Yeah. Did you have an idea he would turn into George Clooney? I mean, yeah. I mean, you you knew, yeah, he has tremendous charisma. He has that like look that he still does, you know, and he loves acting and storytelling. And if you love something, there was no plan B for him. Right. Yeah. Um, And yeah, he has the talent to back it up. So a lot of times it doesn't matter. I've seen so many talented people not be able to get work again. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that's also kind of been really fascinating for me just as a person moving through this planet is that, you know, I may not have done anything as famous or as well received as the facts of life, but to have continued to support myself uh-huh. the style to which I've become accustomed, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, for 40 years says something so that when there is a dry period, you know, I'm meant to do this. Otherwise, options would be you know, revealed themselves to me by this point, right? That's 100% right. So I think I have the stomach. All my neuroses are in my private life, not in my, but, you know, I, I think I have the stomach for this career because of that. You know, I just, and, and George kind of had that very early on. That's sort of like, I'm doing this and there's no other, there's no other plan. Exactly. So you can correct me wrong, but so the show ends in 1988 and you're 22. Right? Uh, 89 and I'm 21. Oh, okay. You know Close. what? You're not the first person. Like it's very, what's so fascinating is they never get my birthday wrong. So I can't lie about my age. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there are different years in different publications. So as 
as I remember it. Right. 10 years, 89. And I can tell because I went to college that next year, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I was 21 years old. So what was that feel? I mean, that was a gigantic chunk of your life. Wow. What was so amazing is I am not in the last episode because I had this really cheeky, crazy friendship with Belinda Carlisle and she was about to go on tour. Oh, you're going to make Stacey really jealous here. That's her favorite. Guess who opened up for her with their new album, Kick? Oh! So we go on this European tour with NXS. No! I, I had not been to Europe yet before. I mean, we'd gone to Paris to do the movie, but I meant like Europe, like Italy, England, right? And to go on Belinda Carlisle's coattails. I can't. (laughs) Was such a kick in the pants and the studio and the production company were so cool and allowed me to do that sitcom phone call. Wow. I have to tell you what was great about that. Not just Europe and touring with Belinda in an excess, but I, I didn't get that long goodbye. Mm Mm-hmm. So we were all very ready to go. It, it was done. We, we loved each other. There was no bad ill will, but we were very happy to, that this was ending. Right. But I am so glad I did not go to the rap party, the final mm-hmm. rap party. I didn't experience any of it. So for me, I went from the end of the show to this three-month European tour, and I got home and went to college. Oh, my God, Mindy. That's like the best way to end it. But this is my life, Stacy. Oh, it has been serendipitous. I love it. I've just been really lucky. And this was another one. So I never experienced that like, oh, no, it brought me back to LA and to go to, so my diploma of undergrad is from Loyola Marymount is that I got another series called The Second Half on NBC right. with Wayne Knight and Jessica Lundy. And my 20s were very organic. Love Did it. you have the kind of college experience you wanted? No, because I was too old. Yeah. yeah. I was very much about getting my college education. I went to high school with my, and my friends in high school are smarty pants people. Yeah. They're just the most gorgeous, lovely group of girls that are brilliant. Yeah. And have done amazing things with their lives. And I wanted to, too. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure. And it's also why I went to graduate school. Because I just thought, I just want to know that I have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom always said the thing about graduate school is it's not important what you study. It's that you can get through it, you know, to, to do a thesis. Incredible. The lesson is to just do it, to get right. through yeah. it and know you can do it. It's just an esteem issue, right? So mm-hmm. um, education for me was just really important to do. But no, I, I had already clubbed and partied my little heart out. Yeah. That by the time I got to college, first of all, you know, I felt like a dirty old lady. The guys that I was attracted to were four years younger. <laughs> And, you know, at 21, I'm feeling like I'm just a just really gross old broad, right? Right, right. So, I mean, there was none of that. I mean, there was a little. <laughs> a little bit. But we I don't talk that. about those years. Let's just put it that way. You know, it was yeah. sort of like just to get the degree, you know, and do it. And then during, before even college, you did the whole, you went to Oscar, you did Oscos and Odyssey and you were clubbing all over town before. Yeah, you know, Max 151 was our weekly stop, as was Voila. Voila came a little later. That came a little later though. Max 151 was really the spot for us. Yeah. Like my Beverly Hills High group. And again, you know, this is before Uber and before actually even before mobile phones, like we were just getting mobile phones. So it was easy to stay in the neighborhood. No one wanted to go further than Westwood or, yeah. you know, 
outside of West Hollywood. So yeah, it was Odyssey. Um, yeah, for me, it was Max 151. That was kind of my spot. Where'd you get your fake ID? Did not have one. You didn't need one? She's a celebrity. She doesn't need a fake ID. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Isn't that so crazy? I never had one, first of all, because I also listened from a very early age. I was a hair holder. Mm. You know, I just, they knew I wasn't going in there to dr- underage drink, even though I did a little, but but I wasn't the messy friend. Yeah, you were, I, yeah. I was the hair holder. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We, we needed you around with us, Mindy. I'm thinking about what that expression means, and now I put it together. You're oh, yeah. you're holding the hair of the person throwing up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, Stacy knew. I was the designated driver. You know, yeah. I, listen, I had to work, Yeah. The, the, you know, the next days. So I had kind of this sense of responsibility. I just like to be on the dance floor. Yeah. I still do. You still like to dance? I do. So, you know, that's what I was, that, and obviously to be with everybody, you yeah. know, our, our crews. Yeah. Good. So what were some of your favorite jobs after Facts of Life? You went right back to work during college and then? I have to say, um, this was during Facts of Life. So I did a film called The Boy Who Could Fly. I have to say, like, my, my favorite, one of my favorite gigs was a movie I did called Violet Tendencies because it was shot in New York and it was like mm. a love letter to New York. It also, I got to finally put on film what I live in real life, which is being a true, true fag hag since I was 13. You know, I've just always been very much a part of the community. Yeah. They love me. I love them. Uh, Lost a lot of our friends in the 80s and was flying back forth to New York for amazing amounts of memorial services. And so that's Mm. why my New York friends also, we tend to be so tight because we kind of live through that together. Mm -hmm. And it was something that my LA friends could not understand or live with. You know, people started to separate us in that way, you know, different lives a little bit. Yeah. While everyone was getting kind of, you know, married and having their first kids. Right. I was back in New York, you know, working and and doing my thing. So I don't know. I, you know, I, I guess my, my second favorite thing that I've done, it's almost kind of my first, is I was the voice of Velma on Scooby-Doo. How did you even fall into voiceover work and how do you enjoy that? I I, I would think that must be an I love it must be amazing. It is. It's very liberating. I actually took a class and just to do it, it was recommended. You have such a great voice. Have you ever thought of dot, dot, dot. Through that class, I got my voiceover agent at William Morris, um, who is still one of my closest friends. We've been friends for almost 35 years. Wow. I think my fourth audition was for to replace the Velma, who had been doing it for 20 years. Did you know you could do that voice before? No. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no. And, and one of the things that I love so much about voiceover is that it is, you know, it's one of those things that everyone thinks they can do if they have a good voice. Mm-hmm. They don't realize the work that comes with trying to emote only with your voice and not your face. And that even if you have a good voice, it, that's that's not half of it. Oh, no, it must be really hard and to take on all the different characters. I yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a great gig and I, I loved it and I grew up on Scooby, so it was a thrill. Well, I have a six-year-old daughter and she is obsessed with Scooby-Doo, so I hear your voice all the time. I love so, that. I've, I've watched so much Scooby-Doo in this last three years. I bet. That makes me very happy, though. Oh, and she loves Velma. Velma's her favorite. Excellent. Good, good taste. That kid has very good taste. I know. I love it. It makes me think she's going to be a smart kid because she's, she likes Velma, you know, Yeah, <laughs> that's the yeah. right one to choose. Yeah, I think so. Well, I know she's a smart kid, but it, it reassures me. 
that of she's course. making good choices in life. Well, Velma is agreeing, so that's all good right now. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, my career, it's been very good to me. And, there, and there's um, more to come, and I'm excited by what's to come, and who knows what that is, but, I, you know. We're really excited about your podcast because we're big listeners and fans of that. Thank you very much. How'd you get started in that? You know, COVID, man. Um, my friend Christian and I were talking one day and he said, you really should do one. And I thought, oh God, really? Oy. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, the, the one thing I'm really missing during this period is just talking to my contemporary, my other creative friends and how are they doing? And I didn't necessarily want to interview them, but I just wanted to see them for a half hour. <laughs> now. You know, yeah. and we came up with this kind of 20 questions like, you know, what's your favorite meal? You know, and we sort yeah. of spent the first five minutes just getting comfortable talking. Well, I think that's great because we get to know your guests really well that way, too. It's a good icebreaker. Yeah, it, it's been it's been very nice. I have been so pleased. And my, my mom is so cute because she said, you know, dad and I have heard about all of your friends all of these years. And we finally get to see them yeah. and hear them. And I do have to say it's one of like the blessings of my life is that I have not only gotten to be a creative, but I have the most incredible creative friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, all you have to do is go through your list of the guests on your podcast and you see what incredible creative friends you do have. Unbelievable. Yeah. Really great guests. It's it's really wonderful. And, and uh, I know that's a testament to being a good friend. But it's also, we all seek each other out. Yeah. You know, and I think that's also very life affirming. I want to circle back to one of your first guests, which are your two besties. Josh and Brent. So your friends are making a whole line of goat milk products for skincare, lotions, and soaps. Oh, first of all, I want to thank you. I think you're going to maybe have changed my life and you don't know it yet because I just ordered $300 worth of goat's milk product. It's going to change your life. Can I just give you the pitch for one second? Yeah, tell us about it. The reason why these products are are the real deal, for real, is that all of these very expensive creams are based in mineral oil. Like even like, what's that called? Mare's with creme de mare. Goat's milk has the same pH as human skin. So if you use that as the base, anything else you put in there goes into the skin. Mm. So anything from dry skin, eczema, to just wanting balanced skin... Yeah. Clean skin, Beekman 1802 products. Beekman 1802. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, I have not a stitch of makeup on. I'm going to tell the guys that you are. Oh, tell them, please. And I can't wait. And I will circle back after because I'm so ready for this because I actually have eczema, very sensitive skin, and I can't wait. Please, we have to talk. Seriously, I'm, I'm excited for you because it's going to be a game changer. Thank you, Mindy. This is at the farm, right? Yes. Tell us about the farm. I want to hear about the farm because you talk it as it's the farm and I, and I read about it. I look about it. Of course I want to go. So they have this big property and that's, is that where they manufacture, do all their stuff? And well, the goats are there and their the house is there and uh, my room is there. Oh. And um, it's really become my, I mean, they are part of the reason, obviously. Um, but it's also, you know, who knew that I, I would be a farmer, but I, it is my happy place. And truly this is the first year that I haven't been back. I usually go four or five times a year for a couple of weeks. I've tried to go three or four times and of course have canceled because of the restrictions and everything, yeah. but, um, it really is my home away from home. Where is the farm? 
It's upstate New York in a small town called Sharon Springs, which I like to call lovingly the armpit of upstate New York. Everyone thinks of Hudson Valley and Woodstock. Let me make a left. And <laughs> you'll hit Sharon Springs. Um, but you know what? It is a slice of heaven that Josh and Brent found that they have included me in and that I feel is my own. And uh, I have very much pride of ownership. Plus also, obviously, through my dad's business acumen, you know, I, I love everything and anything about this business, their business and the business. And so I've, I've helped when I can and promoted when I can. And I'm a part of things. It's very nice. You did a great job and very excited about being in. I'm excited to use their product, learn about their product. And thank you. Yes. On your podcast, you've also had some of your co-stars. And it's great to listen to those because you guys seem you just pick up the relationship and you just feel like you're eavesdropping on friends. It's so great. That's what's fun. Well, you know, we've had a group text since group texting happened. Mm -hmm. We have always stayed in contact with each other and been in each other's lives in that way. And when we can see each other, we do. We're, we're all very, we lead very different lives in different locations. But yes, there's something, even as we get older and now that we've lost Charlotte and then just recently Cloris. Mm. Yeah. It's been so fascinating, you know, I won't say who mentioned one of the girls said, you know, we need to see each other this year. Yeah. And yeah. we need to sort of commit to seeing each other every year from now on somewhere. Of course, Kim piped up and said, I, I vote the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to share 10 years with someone, we think about high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Growing up for a period of what, seven years, college yeah. years for four, grad school for another two or four. And we were together 10. Yeah, that's much longer than anybody you went to high school with or college with. Exactly. So there is something uh, we, we equate it always to like people who uh, uh, we've heard stories when you when you join the armed services with somebody mm -hmm. and you go through boot camp and then you, you, you serve yep. a tour with someone that it's kind of like that. It's a bond that can't be broken. Yeah. You know, that's always there for you girls and, and it's continued through your life. That goes for my Beverly Hills High friends and my my Beverly friends. I call yes. them, you know, even though I didn't go to Beverly Hills High, but we call each other our Beverly friends. Is that we we shared our first drinks together, our first mm -hmm. dance parties, our first slumber parties, all these things. I mean, David, you remember your slumber parties? He does. Um, <laughs> oh, we had slumber parties as boys. We always had sleepovers. Yeah, um, you know, there is something when you share the firsts with people, with a group of people that you're forever, you know. Well, it's true. And that's what we're even finding from this podcast is just finding the people that grew up and has shared Beverly Hills together. There's just a bond that we have of, like you said, we all had a charge account at Nate Nows. What that makes us together, you know, we're yes. from Beverly Hills. Yeah. There's something nice about that, sharing your first, doing things in the beginning. You just have a, a bond that takes you through with people, which is so nice. I, and, and also just an instant like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, all right. I, yeah. we, got each other. we get each other. We know. Like, yeah, totally. I get it. One thing throughout all your work and your podcast definitely included is that you have just such a warm way of talking to people. Is that just something you've always had? Because it seems like it. Well, in this atmosphere, yes. Any group over four, I become a wallflower. Oh. I am an introvert. 
which mm-hmm. I know is hard for a lot of people because I have, well, as Helen likes to say, I have a resting, smiling face and inside I'm really a bitch, which is not <laughs> true. I do have this. That's clearly not true. Well, I have this face that I think belies that I am friendly and, and I'm so interested in what you're saying. And, and I'm not. It's just my face, you know? Yeah. And so I think people also want you to be who they think you are, which yeah. Natalie as a character was very maternal and loving and funny and gregarious. And I am that way one-on-one or two-on-one. Right. Also sounds very cheeky, but, um, you know, in a group, no, I tend to, I tend to let other people shine. I tend to, my, one of my nicknames growing up was Oz. Um, I'm behind the curtain making things happen. I mean, you talk to some of my Beverly Hills friends like Eden. Yeah. Eden is a social butterfly. Yes. Yes. And, yes. and you let her out and it's like, she will not be stopped. I'm usually 10 people back from Eden. Gotcha. Like I just watch her be the magnificence that is her, you know, (laughs) occasionally someone will pop out and I'll be able to have a conversation with them, you know, but yeah. Speaking of Eden, we have our very first sponsor, Mindy and vibrato is sponsoring our show growing up Beverly Hills. We want to say a shout out to vibrato. The biggest shout out of vibrato. And I would like to say that apparently you have gotten them as a sponsor before Mondays with Mindy. Well, Mindy. No, no, no. I even (laughs) said to Eden, she said, did you listen to my episode? Did you listen to my episode of, 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 you know, growing up Beverly Hills? And I said, I didn't. I said, have you ever listened to an episode of Mondays with Mindy? She goes, I really need to do that, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my closest friends. Of course, yeah. of course. Yes. Couldn't be happier for you, Stacy and David. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you. Happier. Thank you. We're thrilled. Well, we'll tell everybody to eat at Vibrato. It's an amazing restaurant and with amazing music. Amazing music, great food, and now they're going to do Sunday brunch. So I'm very yes. excited about that. Maybe we'll see you over there. Well, I would love to do that. Really. Well, we'll meet you there. Great. Well, we wanted to say thank you, Mindy. It was just an honor having you on today and just so fun talking about your childhood and growing up Beverly Hills. And you're super cool and we love having you on. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you. It was so great to see you both and talk to you both. Thank you. It just feels like we've known you forever and been best friends forever. I don't feel like it. (laughs) I just want to give you hugs and kisses, Mindy. But thanks again for coming on the show. I'm so proud of you guys and it's, it's exciting and I, I can't wait to, you know, hear who you get next. It'll, it's, you're off to a running start for sure. Thank you uh, so thank much. You. It was a pleasure. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. It's that time again for the Beverly Hills Breakdown. It's the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Let's do this, David. Do I sound like that guy who does the boxing announcement? Get ready to rumble. Get ready for the Beverly Hills Breakdown. I love talking to Mindy. I think mainly because she has such a warm way of talking. She called you Stace and me kiddo. It just makes you feel good when people do that. Oh, totally. I felt like we were talking to our dearest friend for years. And we probably only met her once years and years and years ago. And it was just Honestly, it was a great joy. I love how she's like that with the new people on the set that she's so inviting. I love that story she told about inviting people to lunch and introducing herself. That must make everybody feel so much more comfortable. 
It really was a nice story because it kind of takes you out to a place where you could make anybody in any situation comfortable at any workplace. Just kind of being kind and nice and saying, hey, I'm a newbie. Let me take you under my wing and show you the ropes. I loved it. I think that's a lesson for everybody that you can do that no matter who you are and what situation you're in, that if somebody's uncomfortable, hey, you could do something about it to make them more comfortable and you could make a friend and it could benefit you too. Uh, She mentioned the Beverly Center, which I remember being built. It was kind of uh, some good and bad. They tore down one of our favorite places to to (laughs) build a shopping center. And it was really the shopping center that we had, first one that we had accessible to us in Beverly Hills. Yeah, it was pretty much the first indoor shopping center. And they tore down our favorite amusement park and pony ride. And I'm sure you've heard us talk about the show Kitty Land and Pony Land. And in 1982, they built this giant indoor mall. And we were thrilled because indoor malls were the happening rage. So we bopped around in the 80s in the Beverly Center. And they had the Hard Rock Cafe restaurant. It was their signature right on the corner with this cool Cadillac car going through the window. It was just a lot of fun. And we loved the Beverly Center. We went shopping there every weekend. I like the Hard Rock Cafe. I actually like the food there, so I would go there. It was also a distinct building because they had these exterior escalators that yeah. had this funky modern look. It was super cool, and it keeps getting a new facelift all the time, but it's still there standing in LA. Yeah, it's just east of Beverly Hills. Exactly, on the corner of La Cienega and Beverly, Drive, Beverly Boulevard. Then she mentions Brandon Tartikoff, and Mindy talks about how he was just coming in when she was at Facts of Life, and he really turned NBC around. NBC was struggling, and he just created an incredible lineup of shows, uh, hit after hit. They had Hill Street Blues, Law & Order, The Cosby Show, and Seinfeld, just to name a few of the big hits that were done while he was there. Very cool. She also mentioned... Actually, a friend of hers, Paul Feig, he actually acted on a few episodes of The Facts of Life, and he went on to become quite a tremendous film director and producer. He worked on Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy, and the 2016 version of Ghostbusters. Yeah, he went from a kind of no-name actor to just a giant director in Hollywood. You never know what your Hollywood tale is going to take you to. Yeah. She also mentioned Crispin Glover, who was two years older than us in high school. My brother was actually into drama, and he was in a production, or several productions, with Crispin and Nicolas Cage. And Crispin and Nicolas Cage were really good friends, and they would go around screaming through the halls and doing all kinds of things. But I always knew that they were super talented. I did too. I remember seeing them in school, Nicolas Cage and Crispin Glover, and they're definitely... A little bit funky, but you kind of knew that there were going to be something big. And then Crispin Glover had a gigantic breakthrough with his part as the father in Back to the Future. Yes. And we're actually excited because we're going to talk to Claudia Wells from Back to the Future coming up. Another person from Beverly she mentioned is Pam Siegel, and her married name is Pamela Siegel Adlon. And she's just became bigger and bigger and bigger as she's worked in the industry longer and longer. What's so funny about Pam Siegel is we actually went to school with her, and I totally remember her coming in as a freshman, and we were all kind of friends. And she left Beverly to go on to do Grease 2, and that was just so exciting. 
She's done so many cool things, one of which is she does the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Bet you yeah. couldn't guess that one. <laughs> and then she has her show, Better Things. Where she really does everything. She writes, produces, co everything. Created it. It's just an incredible show, loosely based on her life. Super talented. Incredible. It was so great catching up with Mindy, David. We had such a blast, and I was just so honored to have her. And we really enjoyed having her on today. So it was so great talking with her. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I started using the products of Beekman 1802, the goat's milk skincare, And I must say, I think my skin looks so clear and glowing, and it really absorbs, and I'm loving it. Well, I'm looking at you now, and you look absolutely radiant. Thank you, David. Also, listen to Mindy on Mondays at Mindy, her amazing podcast. Catch up with Mindy on Mondays with Mindy, and you can listen to her show everywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and a lot of fun places. So catch up with Mondays with Mindy. Well, that's it for the breakdown. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please give us a rating, write us a review, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Please like us, love us on Facebook and Instagram. We love you. We love you and keep interacting with us on your social media. We're having so much fun and it's always great to hear from you guys. Thank you, Mindy. So suicide has personally affected my life, and we like to mention at the end of our show that there is help for everybody out there. You know, I think everybody's going through a tough time now, and we don't want anybody to take their lives. Especially during this COVID situation, uh, we've all been experiencing depression and hard times. Things can always get better. Everything bad now can get better. Everything can get better, and there is a lot of help out there, so please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There is always help. It doesn't hurt to call, so do that. You don't have to do this alone. There's always help.